Okay, and joining me for today's interview is someone who's um, quickly becoming, I guess you could say, one of the faces of the women's competition. She's rapidly improved over the last year and a bit with Collingwood. It's Ruby, and I hope I don't butcher this, Schleicher. How are you, Ruby? <laughs> it was a very good attempt. Oh, uh, don't no. worry, everyone butchers it. Is it Schleicher? Schleicher. It's... <laughs> God, that's worse. No, Schleicher. It's um, it, it's said a lot easier than it's spelled. There's a lot of unnecessary letters that are thrown in there. Um, but no, I appreciate the attempt anyway. I've heard a lot <laughs> yeah, worse. I, I got to it, and then the second I went to say it, I thought I probably should have checked this beforehand because I'm definitely <laughs> going to make an absolute fool of myself. Ruby, how are you going? Yeah, good. Just uh, cruising along here in cold Melbourne. Um, yeah, into round three now. The season's always, I mean, three weeks are going pretty quick. It always flies, particularly when there's not that many games. So, yeah, just cruising along, enjoying the ride. I'm sure it's much nicer now than it is when it's 30, 40 degree games regardless. But, Ruby, I, I want to talk about, I guess, just your career as a whole. But firstly... From, from what I've read, you're actually quite athletically gifted in a multitude of sports, um, especially basketball. I, I think you represented WA at state 16s and 18s level as a junior. Where did where did the transition come from playing a, a pretty serious level of basketball to focus on footing? Uh, well, I, I played footy when I was younger from Oskick to under 18s. Oh, sorry, under 18s, under 12s. Um, and then, obviously, you know, the girls couldn't play anymore, so... That's when sort of basketball took over. I'd always played basketball alongside footy and um, just because we didn't have a pathway, it was sort of the, the um, option to stay with basketball and that's when it sort of took the forefront. And um, that was pretty much my goal was to play as high-level basketball as I could. And um, I was always pretty average at school. So for me, it was sort of the plan was go play college basketball and try and make it over in the States or over in some other country. Um, and then a few injuries, when I was 16, 17 years old, um, basically put a halt to that. And I really struggled to play basketball at a, at a good level again without serious pain. And I probably wasn't playing to the ability that I had been prior to the injuries. Um, and at this time, I'd, I'd taken up footy just for fun again at um, at East Rio playing youth girls. So, you know, basketball was still at the forefront. But if I got an opportunity to play some footy games here and there, I'd jump in and had some fun and I'd gotten a few of my basketball teammates to join in just to have a laugh as well. Um, and then, yeah, when those injuries happened, it sort of became a bit bit more serious and I turned 18, I left school and I was playing footy a bit more seriously with East Freo in my first year out of uh, league and, uh, yeah, the conversation came up that AFL Women's was, I think originally they said it was going to be 2021, they were going to get the competition up and running. And this was in 2016 and then literally... A month later, they went, right, we're having the first ever draft in October. And I was obviously at the prime day of 18 then in a really fortunate position where um, my one of my East Rio coaches, Nikki Harwood, was picked up as uh, Collingwood's midfield coach. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. She asked me to come across with her as a utility and try to play for him. And, yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm stuck here. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that that leads on to my next question pretty well. I, I mean, especially with the West Aussies, we really don't see a great deal of the girls moving into state throughout the drafts, you know, primarily due to, obviously, the wages that they can offer up in the women's competition, leading people to want to stay home. How did you find moving to Melbourne at a young age? And as what were your few years like, especially in the off-seasons and given just how notorious Melbourne is for being so expensive and tough to, to live in and to move to? Oh, look, it was, it was definitely tough. I, you know, in that first year of AFLW, I was making seven and a half grand to 
come across, move across the country. I was, I didn't have any relocation allowance. You know, some interstate players were able to get that, but I wasn't because I nominated for Victoria, so I wasn't eligible. So it was literally seven and a half grand for the year that I was making. So you sort of have to make ends meet otherwise. So I was just working in hospitality and doing whatever I could, I could do to sort of pay rent. And I'm very fortunate mum and dad were able to help me out whenever I needed that as well. But, it, you know, it was mum and dad's sort of idea, well, not idea, but it was they pushed me to move over here as an 18-year-old because I had the opportunity to be picked up by Freo. It was sort of up to me whether I, it was Freo or Collingwood. And mum and dad just said, you know, it's, why wouldn't you go over there and play for the biggest club in Australia? And if you don't, if it doesn't work out or you get homesick, home's always here. Um, and so yeah, I'm very grateful that I've got the parents that I do because, you know, if it wasn't for them pushing me to do something really challenging at such a young age, I wouldn't be here doing the things I'm doing now. So, um, yeah, it was definitely tough and it was tough for the first few years, particularly, you know, being so young, never living out of home, not being able to cook, having to learn how to do your own washing. It's a, it's a whirlwind, but, um, I wouldn't have it any other way. It definitely forced me to mature earlier than I would have had I stayed in my comfort zone in Perth, I reckon. And, um, yeah, very very grateful that it's all worked out the way it has. So essentially what you're saying is your parents had had enough of you and wanted you to move out of the state? Basically, there were any opportunity yeah. to get me out of the house they were taking. So I think they actually paid Nikki Harwood yeah. to uh, get to offer me the contract with Collingwood and uh, get me out. Yeah, they'd have a great chat with my parents about trying to get rid of me. Now, I guess um, your first four seasons at the top level, you know, it's to be expected. It can be a pretty tough transition. They were pretty quiet, to say the least. You managed 18 games across four years. You didn't really average many touches of the ball. But since then, especially the last two, three seasons, this has dramatically increased to the elite level. But in those early stages, were there any moments throughout that time that you had self-doubt or didn't think you'd be able to make it to the level that you're at today? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so many. I, I guess that those first couple of years, I was I was lucky to get games, and purely the reason I was getting games was because the competition was played at a level that probably wasn't, you know, really high performing yet. Um, so I was pretty lucky to get the amount of games that I got in those few first few years, and um, I, I probably put down to me still having a contract with Collingwood in those first few years to, I guess. Um, what I brought to the team off-field, which was just camaraderie and, I guess, being the jokes of being the, the young larrikin that just tried to bring the girls together. And that was very much my role for the team in those years. And I loved it. I loved that I could do that. But not being able to perform on-field, you definitely go, oh, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. And you have self-doubt. And, um, you know, that, that's a huge part of it. And, um, yeah, it wasn't until... Uh, you know, my housemate, Sarah Rowe, who's obviously our Irish import, who's been with us the last five years, um, she moved over and she's the ultimate athlete. And I sort of got to see how a real athlete trains and eats and works outside of the, you know, the four walls of the Holden Centre or the AIA Centre. So that was sort of the first look into the, the change for me where it was, right, how do I act like an athlete off-field? And that's where the shift sort of began because... I started to turn myself into an athlete outside of training, um, which allowed me to, I guess, make, get the most out of myself in training and in games. And, yeah, I, I put a lot of my shift in that way down to down to Rowie and what I've learnt from her. 
All right, well, well, that's great because my next question is, um, I guess, based on... <laughs> I'm based, good at leading you yeah, in, aren't you I? Are. I? I don't know why I bothered <laughs> writing half of these, but, um, <laughs> you know, the difference between those first four and your last, you know, two seasons and two rounds have been absolutely staggering. You know, a couple All-Australian jackets, uh, some great performances and very, very early call, but looking a great chance already for making it a three-peat of All-Australian jackets. You know, have you have you been at all taken aback by this dramatic improvement in your footy? And, you know, you talk about those key pillars, I, I guess. Is that everything that really was the attribution to this rise in form? Yeah, oh, it's, I mean, it's probably that first year was where I really performed with such a whirlwind and um, it was kind of, just a relief and I know it was a relief for my old man because he always knew I had it in me, you know, from he'd watched me play football since I was younger. He knew that I could be better than I was showing in my first few years. And he, he, it was probably a point of frustration for him because, you know, he, he's my best coach, but my harshest critic. So for him, he was frustrated. Rude, you're so much better than this. And, um, you know, as a 18, 19 year old, he sort of go, Oh, shut up, dad. Like, like, you don't need that, but then as you get older, you learn to really appreciate that harsh criticism. And I wouldn't be at the level I would be now if he wasn't so harsh on me. And had, had I just accepted those performances in those first few years, um, but yeah, it's I definitely that first year where I, I performed with a whirlwind, and I look back and it was one of the best years of my life. I've, I've got Sarah Rowe in the kitchen videoing me. Sorry, she's being oh, an idiot. Nice. Go away, Rowie. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was definitely. Um, yeah, a whirlwind, and I look back, and I'm I'm so grateful with how it's all panned out. Um, and uh, like as I said, my, my dad's been a huge coach for me, and um, a, a big driver, and he's always had the belief in me. So yeah, it was definitely, I guess, the fitness was always a massive thing, and turning myself into a into an athlete and being fit enough to get on the ball and and you know do as best as I could for the teammates, run out games and stuff like that. It, it always very much helps, but um. Yeah, I think I always had the footy ability. It was just giving myself the, the attributes to, to show them. Yep. Now, the obvious big talking point, uh, talking point about this season has been, you know, obviously the short turnover and all that. But it's it's been talked to death, really. You know, we we all know everyone's thoughts on it. Uh, I want to talk about um, your off season because you and a few of the girls, you actually, uh, you know, a, a lot of the players gone on now, but it was just right at the start of when international borders were opening up, and you got the trip to Greece. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of details you can't give us, but tell us about that experience. I guess you know the trip to Greece, what it was like being able to to go away to to see Europe. I guess before it became a really big thing in Australia, everyone seemed to go over the past month or two. But what was it like your off season? Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, yeah, we were, we were very lucky to get away. We did six weeks over in Europe, um, so we, we had went and stayed with Rowie's family for a week and a half at the start, and we were just treated like royalty over there. Um, it's so funny. Uh, the, the Irish footballers, uh, like the Irish AFL players, are very closely followed by all of Ireland over there so a lot of people knew who we were I think and Irish people are also a very short race so when you've got five Aussies walking around who are an average of five foot ten um we we stuck out like sore thumbs so it it was actually hilarious we were were getting recognized more in Ireland walking through Dublin city um or on a night out more so than we ever have that's great um but no it, it was so good and I think um, you know, it was great for, for Bree Davey. Our crew was, you know, myself, Bree Davey, Abby Maloney, Bree's two older sisters uh, and Rowie. And, yeah, it was just good for Bree, I guess, just obviously going through her ACL rehab to have a change of scenery and 
and get away and explore while, you know, still having to do a rehab every day. Um, but I guess it was good. We had our own mini team and, you know, we were all doing sessions together. I think I've actually come back to fitness I have into a pre-season because we were just training the house down. Um, and, yeah, no, I loved it. It was obviously – I've never seen that part of the world. So uh, very grateful that we get got to get away and it was sort of perfect with the crew that we did it with. There, there was – you know, we trained very hard uh, Monday to Saturday but made sure we enjoyed ourselves on the weekend as well. Yeah, now, as far as this season goes, we're obviously only two games in, but from that sample size, um, you know, every season sort of, it, it develops differently to the previous seasons, but does it feel at all like a different game, I guess, at the starting point without those hot summer days? You know, it's much colder. There's been this shorter turnaround. A few teams have been sort of scraped apart by the new expansion size. Does it feel at all like a different game compared to previous seasons? Yeah, I, I reckon it was it was probably something I was worried about coming into this season was, you know, obviously there's a lot of scrutiny around AFL women's and, I mean, we don't really care about that. We're just jokes that we're playing and that there are people that love the game, but obviously there are people that are very vocal about disliking the game and the standard of the game. And that was maybe something I was worried about knowing that we were going to be playing, you know, this time of year was, oh, we're going to have some really wet weather, a lot more wet weather games and the standard's going to look average on TV when we're trying to still, you know, get viewers and convince people why we should be playing, I guess. But the standard that, you know, the expansion sides and that we've been putting out has, has been really good. And it's probably credit to the short turnaround that girls haven't had time to lose their touch on the ball. Um, but no, I, I mean, being a WA girl, I actually didn't mind running around in the heat. I, I love playing in the summertime, but... It's um it's also going to be nice to have the summers off as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, no, I think um all the sides have sort of adjusted really well, and um for us, we're just yeah happy to be playing more games and whatever time of year that is. And I mean, we've seen some huge opportunities with girls playing before the finals, um the men's finals on the G and stuff. Which if there's more opportunities like that, like I think I think we've really found our spot in the sporting calendar. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting times. and I, I think the game's only going to go up from here, particularly now that the expansion's happened. You know, we, we might see some slower games, but it, it, it's all up from here. And we're just hope that more females have an opportunity to be professional athletes as well. All right. Now, the final thing I want to talk about is um, the AFLW documentary that's come out to Disney Plus, uh, Fearless. Um, now, I'll preface any of this by saying I actually haven't seen it yet. So I, I just the, – the, finding the time for these things is tough. But Collingwood was one of four clubs followed over the course of that documentary. You know, it was a, a huge thing for, for the AFLW. It's been, you know, really advertised coming into this season a lot. What was it like, I guess, you know, how much of an impact or an effect did the, did the crew have on, you know, the club? Like, were they always around? What was, what was it like having them around? And have you watched it yet? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? They were literally everywhere. They were in our pockets from the start of preseason to our very last game. Um, it was a, a crazy experience. It, it was a lot of fun and, and very cool to see, I guess, a, a different side to, to footy and the production side. And um, it, I guess for us, it wasn't the ideal year. We, we Our story sort of unfolded in the way of massive injuries to some of our stars and COVID and all this sort of thing, um, which it's sort of that. It's cool to see how other teams unfolded, and I guess Bulldogs were one where they their rounds were postponed for two weeks because their whole team had COVID. I guess it was very different for each team, but yeah, for us it was a really cool opportunity, and um, obviously myself and Rowie were very fortunate to uh, 
they sort of honed in on us and we got to tell a bit of our story and, um, you know, the crazy life that we live in each other's pockets over here. Um, but, yeah, no, it was cool. And I guess anyone that watches it, they can sort of expect a real roller coaster for us. It's the highs and lows of, you know, probably the start to the season we we weren't looking at where, you know, we probably weren't playing the footy we wanted and then losing our captain. Um, and, yeah, it was just a, a very strange year. And uh, But I think that makes for good viewing as well. So, yeah, very cool experience. And I guess you see some real ins and outs that you'll never see before. Like, for instance, Bree Davy being mic'd up and the camera on her when she did her knee in round one. I, I don't know that there's any footage like that in the sports industry before. Um, and it's pretty confronting and hard to watch, but it, it, it really does show you the ins and outs of it. So, yeah, cool experience. And I, I actually haven't watched it yet either. I, I'm going to sit down and uh, smash it out, but I've just been too focused on footy and um, other things to do. But I'll have to sit down and, and check it out. Was there anyone at the club that was really, I, I guess, lapping it up, you know, just loving the cameras and looking for a bit of meat on? Oh, look, most of the girls are probably going to say me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to me. the camera. Yeah, I'm not ashamed to the camera. I like to get my head in there wherever I can, so that'll probably say me. Um, Sarah Rowe is definitely one that she would just, she'd just try to say some inappropriate things, and it's, they're never going to use it. Like, yeah. it's all footage that they're not going to use in a football documentary, but she'd say it anyway. Um, but uh, everyone was was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I'd say they would, they'd probably say that I was a shock. <laughs> all right. Well, Ruby, that's all I've got for you. It was um, great to have this chat to you. I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season, and um, hopefully, flag pies can happen for the girls. Well, thanks very much.